Hi, everybody. This is Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed New York State mental health counselor. And this is Nasima Diane Deemer, trauma-informed bodywork therapist. And this is The Positive Mind. Bringing you some ideas, concepts, and guests to try and help you lead a more positively-minded life. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I mean, you know, what are, what are some of the greatest phrases in the world? Happy New Year. Does that resonate as one of the best, positive for sure, of all time? Happy New Year. How do you react when you say those words? Or when you hear those words? Happy New Year. How long do we hear it? When do, when do people stop saying Happy New Year? January 17th at 12 noon. People stop saying Happy New Year. We're in it by then. But surely, you know, we're in it now where it sounds actually pretty good. What does it do to you when you hear Happy New Year? Or when you say it, do you feel something? Do you feel something good? You know, on the positive mind, we often spend time talking about feelings. And in mental health, we're often, how does that make you feel? We want to go towards feelings because feelings change and we want to see how you hold up under the changes and what you might be feeling can tell us. So... Happy New Year. What do you think, Nasima? What do you think? Happy New Year. What does it bring to mind for you? In the past, it's been... No, right now. You know, when we're therapists, and you're a therapist, we don't want to talk about, when I ask you a question, how do you feel about this? I don't want you to talk about the past. Um, How do you feel right now about Happy New Year? Right now, it feels a little heavy. Heavier than it ever has. Say more. Now I'm interested. Well, it's just, it's just, it doesn't feel very new. It feels like same, Mm. same, 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 more of the same. Interesting. Did you feel that way New Year's Eve at midnight Mm -hmm. when it came? Yeah. Did you feel it before, like the day, December 30th, 31st? Like, here it comes? A little bit. It was hard. I was exhausted and it was hard to get excited for it. And I wasn't, you know, the plans I had canceled and so... It was just kind of more of the same in that sense of like, you know, things are being canceled that I want to do. And so it just felt heavy, like a lead balloon. It went over like a lead balloon. So thank you. Let me say thank you. Because that gives me a sense of where you're at, feeling-wise, for the last 10 days, let's say. And that's all I was interested in, really. How are you feeling in your life now? That's all I care about, Right. So when I hear it, when I'm still kind of happy new year. It is a new year. I like it. I like the fact that it's new and feels new. I don't know why, you know. I'm not naming the reasons, but if I sat down with a pen, paper, and said, why do I feel good about those words, happy new year? And it certainly conjures, well, what do I want? For the next new year, 355 days coming at this point. Um, What do I want? Yeah, it it does conjure up like thoughts about making something happen. Happy New Year. Happy making something happen. (laughs) (laughs) I have a friend who was saying instead, uh, better New Year (laughs) to people. Happy better New Year. just, Just better New Year. Just... Better. Better New Year. 
Better New Year. Yeah, I, can, I get that. How about Happy Better New Year? Because <laughs> uh, we certainly want a better New Year than 2021. And what do we want to say at the end of 2022? You know, what is it we'd want to have happened personally and socially? You know, there's, you know, a dream for the country and the world. And then there's a dream for myself and my family. Hmm. But start small, myself first. What, by the end of 2022, would I like to have seen happen or would have liked to have felt through the year? Are you feeling the same way all the time? You know, maybe during this pandemic, people have felt the same. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of my 2021 feelings. I'm just fed up with them. I'm tired of them. Are you tired of them? What do you say? You're shaking your head. Yes. Yes, I'm tired of them. And I feel like I don't know yet what I want for 2022. There's something about oh, yeah. like just yeah. feeling like I can't even imagine something different right now. And I almost am holding back because I feel like this is going to stay with us a while longer. And I don't want to get my hopes up. It sounds like you're hopeful. I yeah. kind of don't want to get my hopes up. Like things have changed and they're going to remain that way changed. And I'm not sure how I feel about it. You're so transparent. So thank you. I want to thank you again. <laughs> you're really telling me and the audience where you're at. And that's all, you know, we can do with each other is mm-hmm. to say, where are we at? Where I'm at. And thank you. Thank you for just saying that. And I, I just want to say it makes a lot of sense to me. You know, I have similar feelings, absolutely, that I'm so tired, you know, and this is what I want to tell our audience. We're about to start a bunch of shows, maybe three, maybe ten, five, six, who knows, on resilience. Like, how tapped out are you? Are you ta- as tapped out as Nasima here is telling us? She's tapped out. <laughs> you know, I get it. I understand. I love that <laughs> phrase because it's like, you know, fighters when they're in, you know, I guess in wrestling, you tap out. Yeah, you out tap when out. You're like, That's I'm right. Done. That's right. Imagine if they <laughs> tapped out in the first second. They walked <laughs> like, up to each other, shook hands, and tapped each other. Like, each other. You tap the floor, whatever it is. <laughs> well, maybe that'll be sports in 2022. Everybody just walks to the middle of the court and taps each other and says, okay, go back. Go back to where you were. Tap out. So I get it, you know, and and that's what gave birth to this. You know, much like Nasima, the loneliness shows that we did, we did four, sh- four loneliness shows at the end of 2021. It came out of a, a feeling I had a friend of mine was telling me about another friend of mine and it dawned on me, wow, that person must be so lonely. And then it made me really curious about loneliness. And, of course, loneliness during the pandemic is an epidemic, we found out. And we did our research and found that over 60% of people have felt lonely in the last six months, whereas in 1971 it was only 11%. So here with resilience, we want to talk about resilience for the next few shows because maybe you're tapped out. And so the beginning of a new year just doesn't have its familiar feeling. It doesn't have the usual enthusiasm or optimism that you might have. I still have it. I, I have to, I've, you know, I, I'm not going to defend it. I'm happy to have it. 
Um, and it is a mystery. Like, when does it, when do you stop saying it? Happy New Year. But I still, I have it now. I have it today. So we thought we'd combine this idea of a New Year's show with a resilience show. And introducing you to this concept. I know it's out there a lot. A lot of people are talking about it. And as we were dipping into the research about it, there is so much. It's, it's a very interesting it's a topic. topic it's, right now. It hits on many different facets of life and living. Yeah, because many people do not feel resilient. They think, if I have one more demand put on me, I'm not going to be able to meet it. Think of parents, you know, two working parents who have their children going to school one week and then the next week they're not going to school. They're homeschooled. How do you as a parent juggle that? What's the next requirement of a parent? If you ask me one more thing, I can handle, okay, I've adapted, I've adjusted to homeschooling. You know, we took a while, finally did it, and now we sent our kids back to school and now they're back home. You know, so we can imagine parents of school age children feeling tapped out. Like, I do not have any resilience. I cannot bounce back. If you ask me for one more thing, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to meet it. And I think it's the the whole thing of we were expecting... I think last year, I think we were expecting it to be over last year. Like, like, y- like you can sort of project, like, I can deal with this for yeah. three months. I can yeah. deal with it for six months. I can deal with it for a year. Yes. Now we're looking at this next year. It's like, oh, my gosh, we might have to deal with another year of this. Yes. And that might be the final straw, too. So know? one tool, one tool for be- being more resilient is to not project into the future. Face what is in front of you. Do not, we call it in psychology, catastrophize. Do not catastrophize. And when expectations are met, you know, there's tremendous disappointment. Do not make expectations, you know. Do not catastrophize and do not make expectations. Do the best that you can right now. We're going to talk about some tools for resilience in the second half of the show. But thanks for bringing that up, Nasima. Another situation that yes. I've heard about is having to take care of your parents. So being an older adult. Okay. And going through the process of your parents aging, dying, needing more support. Right. And having this on top of it. And how the complications that come into caregiving parents, having caregivers come to parents at this time, is much more fraught than it used to be. Why? And I just feel like the ups and downs, again, with, you know, exposure to COVID and all, you know, it's like, because there are more, you know, vulnerable population and who's the caregiver? There are fewer caretakers around or there are fewer health aides (laughs) because they might have COVID as well. And so it's harder to get coverage for your ailing parent. Yeah. Um, and to find and that coverage that's a huge that's, stress. Right. And to find coverage that's adequate and helpful. And it's not as easy as it used to be. Okay. Yeah. How about you out there? Can you think of a scenario? Maybe your scenario is, is as extreme as it gets. But the, the thing about resilience, the question about is, can I handle another demand? And if not, what's happened? What is the condition 
for me to be able to meet all the demands made of me. That's called resilience. So one question you can ask yourself, how full is my gas tank? (laughs) How full is my tank today? Like, you know, on Mondays, is my tank full? On Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, how full is my gas tank? Check in with yourself. It's a, it's a, you know, there's no judgment, right? We, in, in psychology and therapy, we, we're never judging. It doesn't really help at all resolve anything by judging it. And you're bad for feeling that way. What is, you know, how full is your gas tank? You know, you think about a, a, a 15-year-old, you know, and a 20-year-old and in terms of resilience. They're very resilient, right, young people? Young people can be very resilient. And it's great when we see old people like with this resilient spirit as an old person. But resilience is is a little harder on older people. Life is a long journey. And by the end of it, sometimes you are just worn down where your gas tank is maybe, you know, a quarter of a tank. Or, you know, you're on fumes, you know, who knows? So, <laughs> you know, if you ask a young person, like, if if you survived a hurricane, your house was demolished, you know, how ready are you to, um, you know, help your dad and mom rebuild? Mm-hmm. And, you know, immediately, you know, no problem. You know, we don't expect 15-year-olds to not be resilient. But, you know... It's getting on to 30, 35, 45, 55, 60, 65. You know, a hurricane could be devastating. And like, my tank is empty. I didn't think I'd have to build another house. I didn't think I would have to go through this again, or for the first time, and have to have to build. I'm, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't have the resilience for it. And it's fine if you don't have the resilience. So, you know, you go rent an apartment. You know, there are options. There are things to do. You know, and but some people will have it. The resilience will be there. They'll build another house. And some people won't. And they'll leave and go somewhere else. And that's fine as well. You know, but resilience is a great thing to have. And we want to sort of promote it here on The Positive Mind and maybe help you find ways to find it if you don't have it. Yeah, especially if you're feeling like your tank is empty, that, you know, your projection into the future, which we just said, let's try not to project into the future. But if your projection in the future is kind of tapping you out as well, yes. yeah, maybe just pull it back. Come to right here right now. What what little step can you do today? What, what do you have energy for? Yeah. I think might be a good thing to look into. Like what, what would potentially fill your tank? Like what do you really need right now? Yeah. And that's the first thing. So when the house is destroyed, you don't want to project into like the whole size of the project, how big this is going to be for me to build a new house. You want to project in, how am I going to feed myself for the next few days? You know, until I come up with a plan, what avenues are available for help for me? Uh, that I need to exhaust in order to replenish my my tank. And starting small, if I immediately see, oh, the job of having to rebuild a whole new house and all my neighbors having to rebuild theirs and being in this environment of shock and stress, then, you know, there's no way, you know? So you would start small. 
Yeah, so that's that's the whole principle of like, yeah, just chunking it down, getting it into smaller bites. And also community support. There's so much about resilience in communities and in community and in friendships and and people knowing what's going on. I've heard about a couple in Colorado whose house was completely demolished by the very strange fires out there. And um, within a day or two, they had just about everything they needed to get by for the next few days from friends, from community you know, people who in. just, they yeah. just are jumping in and helping out yeah. in ways that they can. And that's resilience that helps people bounce back. Well, it helps replenish. You need that. And that, here's a question for the audience. How hard is it for you to ask for help? <laughs> right? When you have no gas in the tank, which we're calling like the absence of any resilience, then is the time when you, you need to ask for help or you need to reach out. Don't panic about needing to ask for help. If there's nothing in the tank, there's nothing in the tank. If you're not resilient at that moment, like we say, make it smaller, narrow it down, chunk it down, and maybe put on the list, who can I help? Who can I ask for help? Now, man out there, I want to say, um, that's a four-letter word, asking for help. Not having any resilience, feeling like your resources are totally gone. Uh, is really what it feels like to need help and ask for help. And you might run into a little rigidity in yourself around like the pride of, of asking for help. And that, and that's a sure sign that you're not very resilient if there's a rigidity in you, if you're yeah. not flexible, if you're not able to like bend to what's happening. Is Rambo resilient? There's the question. Is Rambo resilient? Probably not, right? So, so the first quality of resilience is um, a flexibility. Rambo is like rigid, like oak trees, like oak, oak trees. Is it resilient? Well, probably not because it's so firm and, and, and rigid. You know, the body and the being that is rigid is not going to be very resilient. It is subject to um, disaster and calamity and stress. Whereas, you know, Let's see what trees sort of blow well in the wind, like cedar trees. Like they're very, very flexible. They're durable. They're resilient. They can take the storm. Whereas an oak tree can't. It will break. Uh, So one of the qualities of resilience is flexibility. Ability to to adapt to your surroundings. When you get caught in this, in that rigidity, like where you can't ask for help. I mean, there's sometimes, right, if your car runs out of gas or you're, you're over on the side of the road. Or how about asking for directions? <laughs> certain men will never ask for directions. But, you know, on a given day, a certain day, maybe they might, right? So what is it? You know, um, if you can't ask for help, it's probably going to uh, impair your resilience, Whereas if you feel connected to everybody in the world, and right now I'm just suddenly stopped here on the side of the road, then you're not going to be resilient. So one day you might feel like you can ask for help, and the next time you might not feel like you can ask for help. And being able to ask for help is a sign of flexibility and a sign of resilience. To bring up the body in and of itself, a more flexible body is going to be a more resilient body. Oh. So it really mm. shows up in your joints and your ability to move, mm. 
means that you'll be more resilient just handling life stressors. So yes. I think that's why yoga and things like this have come really strong, that that being able to be flexible and move is a really important part of just physical physical resilience. And I wonder, as you're talking about this, if our envy of yoga teachers and yoga practitioners, our envy of them is because they are so flexible. And on some level, we know that they're more resilient than we are. And I kind of envy them that. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do the work to do to have that flexibility you know i'm just talking about the the reality of the moment but there is this level of envy when i see somebody that's so flexible like that mm -hmm. and i know that i was once like that right when i was 10 years old i could take my foot and put it behind my head you know and touch my left ear with my right foot so it's just interesting that that came up as you were talking about it yes we envy these people that have resilience and don't we in normal life as well right somebody you know whose house burns down and they build it up the, you know the whole neighborhood admires and envies them that wow they they rebuilt they did it wow how'd they do that where'd they find the energy to do that resilience it's a good thing you know so before we give out our whole list and we'll Nassim, I think we should save for the second half most of these um, remedies or ways to get more resilience. Uh, we should talk before the break about, you know, what kills resilience, even in the healthiest and the strongest of people, right? Like um, stress. Like if Rambo is under stress, Rambo's going to crack. Do you know people who are under chronic stress and have a perfectly okay kind of frame of mind or temperament no yeah no and and the same with folks who are under chronic pain too i come across a lot of clients with chronic pain is a chronic stressor sure it is and you know in the trauma world we call it the window of tolerance it's really tiny really really small like you're walking an edge a razor's edge of being okay or being really not okay Mm. And it's just there's no wiggle room when when you're under chronic pain, chronic stress, your life and your ability get smaller and smaller and you can become more and more rigid in both thought and body on some level. It just, you know, can I take another pain? Yeah. Like can I can I add on any more? This is a really perfect illustration of what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Because everybody out there is, knows what it's like to endure excruciating physical pain and, and the annoyance of it. And mm -hmm. when is this going to end? When am I going to get some relief? And I can imagine someone who has a pain like that for a month or two months or Six months must feel like they have nothing left in the tank and there's no resilience. You know, what are they running on? Chronic pain sufferers have a terminology that they call spoons. How many spoons do I have available to me? It's kind of like, what's my resilience today? How much energy do I have to Why do spoon? the things I want? I think they're they're just kind of seeing it as like, I have... This many spoons for today. I have maybe 10 spoons. Teaspoons, tablespoons. Yeah, and it's like what I'm going to use I see. in my day-to-day. -day. Well, it's going right. to take three spoons to make it through, mm. you know, brushing my teeth and getting dressed. Wow. 
I'm thinking of a T.S. Eliot poem. I can't remember which. I'll measure my life in tablespoons or teaspoons. Mm. I think that's the opening of The Wasteland. Yeah. Well, the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. Right. Okay, so, so you're in that world, and you know what we're talking about, chronic pain, chronic stress. I love it, though. I didn't even consider that. Chronic pain, when can I not tolerate anymore where's my resilience when i have chronic pain probably don't have any and chronic pain especially like back pain some <laughs> abdominal pains certain will drive, types of pains will drive people to suicide right because there is no way out and chronic pain is a is a huge contributor so i'm going to have to mention then uh, a, a remedy or a, a way to build resilience that we've learned in our research that I was hoping to say for the second half, but laughter is the best medicine, you know? So what you're saying is one of the ways to build your resistance is to have a sense of humor, is to look for humor, is to look for ways that I can have a sense of humor about this situation. They almost don't go together. Like if I have a sense of humor and being unresilient, they don't go together. A person with a sense of humor, you can sense has a lot of resilience, right? They're able to make light of light of their situation. And there are a couple of comedians out there who have, you know, these issues, either cystic fibrosis or different things, and they're right. and they're right. having comedy about it. And it is, it's so rich and it's so wonderful to sort of see them overcome and use comedy and humor as a way to bring down the tension around how their life is, what they what they have to manage on a day-to-day basis. Right. So this is a good metaphor going forward. How much more pain can you tolerate? Do you think we've suffered as a as a world a big pain over the last almost 2 years now? Well, I think we suffered um, many different kinds of pain too, grief and Yeah. You know, loss and change, having to move, all the all these are elements of pain. And then the people who got COVID and are suffering with long haul have bouts of pain as well. So when we come back, we're going to talk about um, panic attacks and panic and chronic stress and resilience and how to build your resilience. We have many, many more things to talk about. We're here on The Positive Mind. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor. And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist. And we'll be right back. Hard to find a way 
you through another city day without thinking about getting The strangest thing I've seen Was a t-shirt turning green In India A total dove The dove's lady was the cause Or maybe it was the olive branch She held in her claws Or maybe David Crosby, way back when, 1971, traction in the rain. You know, when you don't have resilience, you don't have traction, right? I I thought of hydroplaning, you're hydroplaning through, you know, and so I had a control. When I'm not resilient, I'm not fully in control. I'm worried about losing control. It's a beautiful song, beautiful album. I, I, if only I could remember my name was the album. Hmm. Imagine being so shocked in in a state of shock that you can't remember your name. Amnesia. Hmm. Um, so traction in the rain. Which brings up, you know, this idea of panic attacks, you know, because chronic stress, when you have a panic attack, the first question after you've gotten through it, and a panic attack will only last 10 minutes, you know, maximum. I mean, the intensity of it, it does not last the body and the mind, it just can't endure it. So it just, it lightens. We'll just say that. I mean, I've had clients come in and say they've had six hours of a panic attack. And they're really, maybe they're hyperventilating or something. Uh, on some level, they're sweating or doing some of the things that panic attacks entail. But they're not having actual attack for six hours. Yeah, and maybe the the thoughts that were generated or generated the panic attack are still pretty strong yes. and continuing so, to so. perseverate on right. it. Right. 
Ruminating continues, yeah. which generates ruminating is stuck on one thought or a few thoughts and keeping it going. So, But the one question that is always asked when a person has a panic attack is, how long have you been dealing with stress? How long have you been under stress? It's really a symptom of chronic stress. And I think some people may not even be aware that they've been under chronic stress until they have a panic attack. That's right. And so in some ways it can be a blessing. Yeah. It can be a blessing because it makes you go right to the core of what I'm dealing with, what I've been dealing with. I wasn't even sure that I was dealing with that. Like many symptoms, and all symptoms point to a cause, a source, which when we understand it can help start the relief process. And so I've been having clients who have been coming in with panic attacks or panic symptoms. Some of the symptoms I want to read for our audience. Your heart is pounding or skipping. Your sweat, you have a sweat. You tremble or shake. You have trouble catching your breath. Now that's the big one. I have trouble catching my breath. Or you feel like you're being smothered. This is what happens when you have a panic attack. Somewhere something is seeping through the environment like a vapor and it's coming in and it's coming to choke you you might have a sense of choking you've um you have chest pain or tightness you've nauseous and you can have diarrhea you have uh, chills or you feel hot you feel numbness in your fingers or your feet tingling you feel dizzy or lightheaded you feel like things around you are unreal depersonalization uh, you feel like you're in a dream like part, parts of your body even, like your arm, you can take off your arm, let's say, are unreal or detached from you. You feel you're going crazy. And finally, you fear you might die. So panic attacks, you know, when you have one, if you have four of these symptoms, is it four or five? Panic, four or more of these characteristic symptoms would be a panic attack and a, a disorder you have it for more than a month, one or more months. So if you only have one or two in three weeks and don't have any more, you, don't, you wouldn't be diagnosed as having the disorder. But, so in terms of resilience, right? Now, we're not going to fix this right away, right? This chronic stress has led up to panic attacks and a panic disorder for a long time. We're not going to fix this right away. But it's connected to resilience because you're, in spite of yourself, you're not resilient. You can't be resilient and have panic disorder, panic attacks. Well, all of the symptoms that you described are symptoms of an autonomic nervous system, what I work with a lot, like sympathetic charge in the system that has nowhere to go. And something I think that helps resilience is a sense of agency and ability to do something about okay. what's happening. Yes. And that's why, you know, chronic stress is usually, this is something I have no control of and I can't do anything about. And now, you know, and I want to be able to have some agency to, you know, either fight or flee yes. with this situation and I can't. So then the system just kind of starts turning on itself a bit. So I sometimes oh, like... Does it really do that? It'll turn it. on itself? Yeah, because it's like I have nowhere to go. So I'm just, I'm like stuck in a corner and I'm and I'm panicked because like... My system wants to get me to safety, but I but I I'm stuck. Right. I'm stuck right here. I'm hydroplaning. You know, it's like I have no traction. There's nothing I can feel connected to or safe with. Right. Things are going too fast. 
And my system's trying to catch up and like get me to that place. So it's like, come on, we got to run. And I can't run because I need to take care of my mom. I need to pick up the kids at school. I need to, you know, all these things. In terms of resilience and building resilience, we would say manage stress, right? To not think that my whole life is stressed, my whole everything in my life. Even if it is, you have to stop and say, well, I need to manage my stress, that it's very small, let's say, in the mornings and in the evenings, and it's intense during the day, my stress, but it's not all day. So we say flexibility, sense of humor, and manage your stress. Ask yourself, what is one thing I can do to reduce my stress now? What's one thing? You mean specifically like in the moment when you're under stress or globally, like for my life in general? Well, if I didn't have to pay my rent, that would take a tremendous stressor off me. So there's like big stresses and small stresses, I guess what I'm saying. Are you talking about in the moment stress or? Potentially in the moment and also globally. I mean, I think in the moment is really important when somebody is starting to feel panic come on or they've been struggling with panic attacks. It's like, well, what's one thing I can do right now to, to reduce stress? And one thing could be to, you know, shift your breathing. People go to that a lot, like taking a nice deep breath, reaching out and calling a friend. Mindfulness, like we our last week's show with, yeah. with Jen Wolken. Yes. Talked about bringing mindfulness to everyday activities. I mean, there are some activities that we have to do slowly, you know, like make breakfast. You know, or you could bring mindfulness to and could go slower doing the laundry. You could go slower and bring a sense of mindfulness to it um, rather than speeding through it. If you're catching yourself speeding through all of your daily tasks, you're under stress. I think also what happens sometimes with panic attacks is that it happens when people start stop doing the stressful thing. I was taking care of my mother all morning. When I got home to relax at night, the panic hit. Right. And so that would be a moment to really sit down and say, well, what's happening right now? Right now I'm relaxing. A part of me might be feeling I should be back there taking care of mom. And mom is taken care of. I've done it. What's happening right now? Right now I'm here. I'm taking care of myself. And that's okay. To come right here. Like what's happening right now? Like really identifying is there something that I need to be panicked about right now? Or is this like leftovers from the day? I just have to qualify that because when you have a panic attack, you have no control. No question is going to neutralize the panic attack. Mm-hmm. It's, it's here. You must accept it when it's here. Um, you can start your breathing. I mean, one of the techniques is obviously have a paper bag and breathe into the paper bag, you know, because it's all a matter of the breath. Mm-hmm. Right, and so you want to regulate your breathing when you're in the midst of a panic attack, and let's normalize panic attacks. Right, people have them; they're mm-hmm. not the end of the world. It feels like it is when they're having one, but there's no asking like, "How can I take care of myself in this moment?" <laughs> when you're in the attack, it's not going to happen afterwards. And you know, um, bringing it as a daily question, like, "How do I not have that again?" I don't want to have another panic attack. But in the midst of it, I just want to tell the audience, that's not the time that you ask. What you do need to do is to regulate your breathing in a panic attack. And 
You need to know every day after I come home, after taking care of my mom, I have a panic attack. Which leads us to post-traumatic stress as well, which we want to talk about, and we will in this series on resilience that we're starting today. Anyway, I brought this up because my clients are showing up with this shortness of breath. They've said to me, number four, all the time, I have trouble catching my breath. And there are 13 of these, if you're wondering. That's the cue. Like, what's your stress? The whole nation, the whole world is under stress. We've been under stress for two years at least. How has this pandemic world situation created more stress in your life? Everybody has a quick answer. Everybody has a multiple answer. If your tank is low, recognize and know that you've been under chronic stress. This has been a chronic stress. I mean, just just forgetting your mask, forgetting it, you know, and having to go back to your office or back to your car or back to your room or back somewhere to get your mask is a stress. Doing it five times a day, and I know (laughs) people who do that. I I think I, hmm, there are many inventions, um, ideas on how to glue a mask to your body so that the glue doesn't stay. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Removable glue so that you always have a mask available. And obviously there are designs of masks that uh, you can wear all day long. <laughs> but anyway. But it is, it is. I think you're just really speaking to, like, even if you feel like you haven't been stressed about this, like you've been not being afraid, you've been doing what you do, yes, you've made your right. decisions, even if you felt that... You're still stressed yes, because you've had to sort of hold right. back that tide yes. in a way. So even that is a bit of chronic stress that's in there. And yeah. it might be a reason why you're feeling a little tapped out if that's how you're feeling. Yeah. Yes. And if you find yourself catching your breath, you know, you're join the club. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big club right now. Right. Um, so let's continue with resilience, Nasima. We've talked about flexibility, sense of humor. Asking how can I reduce stress and how to break it down, manage it, my stress. I like this one about tapping into your inner child. You know, be curious about your world. Be curious about your stress. Be curious about everything. You know, children are resilient, we say, and they're resilient. Their resilience shows up with their curiosity instead of and their wonder. And instead of panicking and managing stress, children have the luxury of just maintaining their curiosity. In order to build your resilience, do not be judgmental. Right. But be and stay curious. Stay curious. Uh, You know, something that I think has really helped me is watching, you know, TV shows about the universe, like asteroids and comets and the the whole scope and what they've all discovered it's just like so opposite new for you uh no i've always had a curiosity about it but Mm -hmm. it just kind of opens my mind and i and i do get that sense of wonder i'm like oh my gosh how do they how do they know this how do they oh my gosh they're seeing all these things they never saw before and it does sort of help shift like yeah down here on earth things are really crazy right now but out there in the universe my gosh so much cool stuff is going on that we're discovering and and it's and they have the new telescope up there or the new that hasn't started working yet but even the hubble the old hubble 
It's been up there floating around. So for that's a really years. good thing. So to find something that you you have liked in the past and to yeah. accentuate and heighten it and right. bring your curiosity and wonder to that time that that topic. Mm-hmm. You know, I like tractors. So you know, <laughs> especially <laughs> old ones sitting in a field in the winter in the snow, right. you know, rusting or whatever. But anyway, I'm, I I think the idea is to a topic and a, an interest that you have. And focus more on that when your when your tank is low. Right, right. So so let's go back to that example of you know after you've t- you've been a caregiver for someone and you come home, have a project there for yourself that you enjoy. You know something that your inner child may enjoy. Like, is it knitting? Is it you know right coloring? Is it just to do something different that will let some of this energy and let you feel like you're you still, because especially with caregivers, you give so much of yourself. And when you get home, it's like, well, who am I? Where did I go? I don't even know anymore. It's like just to do a little like, yeah, tap into your, what did you like to do? Did you like to go for walks in the park, in the woods? Did you like to play with dogs i have i have a right. client who's like loves dogs and now he's volunteering at an animal shelter and it's really helping him there are things that can be done like tap into what your child really liked and maybe you've forgotten over the years you know my mentor armand Demille used to when he had a really depressed person come to him he would recommend they volunteer and they go and he had a number of places that he would send clients to go give, right? If your resilience is low and you want to get some, go give. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so one place would be the, the handicap center at NYU Hospital, you know, the Rusk Center mm-hmm. for Trauma and Children, um, that you think you have it bad. You know, go there and work and help these people. And it does magically sort of revive your own resilience. It fills the tank. I think that's a quality of perspective. What do you mean? Right. So you get a different perspective on oh, your state of being by being with others who have it, you know, harder, differently than you do. You yeah. get some perspective like, okay, maybe, you know, it's like I can walk on two feet and I can, you know, feed myself. That's, okay. I'm doing pretty good. I see. Maybe I'm doing pretty good. And yeah. it gives me a little perspective. It kind of like kind of puts you back. Into into like where you're okay. I wonder if he, he recommended it for that reason that it'll help you give perspective. Because when you're in depression, you do not see other people having it worse than you. You know, you don't see. You know, your your field of vision, inner and outer, is much smaller. Mm-hmm. And again, not judging. This is just the way it is. And so you're right. I mean, if you're going to help, you know, wheel bound, wheelchair bound children who need to go to the bathroom or mm-hmm. whatever they might need and see them that this perspective might seep in there. Like, wow, this might help lift my depression um, because I see I'm not alone in the world. And you might also see how resilient people can be. <laughs> you well, might, there's you that might, as well. You might be doubting, yes. you know, your own resilience and you might see in, in another who's struggling with something really big have a smile on their face. Right. Be like, wow. Yes. Wow. Human beings are 
remarkably resilient. I agree. I think I, I really saw that when I traveled in India. You go to a third world country and you see kids are still playing and right. they're covered in dirt and they don't have shoes and they probably haven't eaten, but they but they still play. It's and like, sometimes have the bigger smiles on their face yeah. than anybody in the Western developed world. Yeah. yeah. You know, so uh, maybe you're right. I don't know. He shared with me a number of things about it, success stories about it, but mm-hmm. I couldn't fully mine all the reasons. I'm sure he had a hundred reasons to recommend go volunteer yeah. to people. Um, but perspective is one of them. And perspective is one of the positive Strengths, by the way, you know, the 24 positive psychology strengths, having a perspective, gaining a perspective. And when you don't have resilience, you've lost your perspective, right? You don't have access to seeing things in color and in different dimensions and different levels. Um, And and all the different possibilities. Suddenly in resilience, you know, with low resilience, your world is black and white. It's very trauma-driven from my perspective. And... Yeah, you just, nothing can, you know, I can't take one more thing. The straw is going to break the camel's back and you've lost your, you've lost your agency. You've lost your traction. So we're going to have to, Nassima, do something about caretaker fatigue in this series on resilience. Because yes, caretaking, volunteering, helping others in distress and people who are in less situations than you is a beautiful, wonderful thing, uh, but it can lead to fatigue and a lack of resilience on their part. And we need to include this in our series because we want to help these folks. These people need to be addressed specifically because there are some people that are just natural caretakers. And then there are others who are thrown into it. And it's not a good fit sometimes. And, and yet... Um, they have the responsibility of doing so. So we're going to add that. I did want to say one one or two more uh, for today because uh, we only have a few minutes before we return to the idea of New Year's. <laughs> Happy New Year. Uh, and one would be what's not happening. One of the benefits, one of the things to do um, when your resilience is low, if you're self-identifying or diagnosing that I don't really have any resilience, you might say, what is what not happening? Because when you don't have any resilience, everything looks like a catastrophe. And if you say, well, you know, I'm not dying. I'm not poor. You know, I'm not immobilized. I'm not sick. I'm not sick. My health is fine. All these things, it might back you into a, a resilient place. It's like tricking the mind into knowing feeling you have more resources than your normal mindset might think. Another a way that I sometimes use this with chronic pain is I ask clients to feel where they're not feeling pain. Oh. So yeah. that you can sort of take the focus off the pain. It's like, oh, well, what isn't in pain? Oh, the tip of my nose. Great. Notice that. Wow. The tip of your nose feels okay. Hmm. Hmm. Imagine that. It's almost like a what's working Kind of. Yes. It's a, it's a backwards way of going yes, into what is I working. I think what's not is more effective, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you don't appreciate it when you say, well, what what is working? Right? right. When you sort of say, what's not hurting? It's a different mindset. So, so very interesting. I have an interesting thing to do about guilt in our next show, and we'll do that. Um, guilt and resentment and how to turn that around. We'll do that next time. I guess the last would be, and this is leading into Happy New Year which we touched a little bit, is to find allies. 
You know, they've done studies on serotonin, and they found that, you know, men and women replenish their serotonin in different ways. Like for women and for men, chatting with another man is not going to replenish their serotonin. Whereas for, for a woman, if women, they found like if women engage in like a 15 minute conversation with each other, their serotonin levels will increase. But that doesn't, have, you know, so that yeah. it's interesting as we go into the new year and here we are um, talking about resilience that there are, if you have a high level of serotonin, the chances are you have a high level of resilience. And they did say in that same study that men, men sitting next to each other watching something like Being going to in again. a room with another man, watching or doing some third thing. Yes, uh, like comp- competing. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm curious about the competition, like playing basketball together or watching basketball or yeah. having a similar third thing that you're talking about or what witnessing rather rather than talking about it. We'll do that for men. So. That's something else we're going to talk about. So flexibility, sense of humor, um, what is not happening, have perspective, be curious like your inner child, manage stress, what is not, I'll say it again, what is not happening, break things into parts, and find allies. Find allies. That will increase your stress. And so going into the new year, we wish you many, many allies. That's your mission. Just find allies, um, and you'll watch. You'll watch your serotonin and your uh, resilience grow. I'm Kevin O'Donoghue, licensed mental health counselor. See you next week. And I'm Nasima Diane Deemer, trauma specialist and licensed massage therapist. And we would like to thank our affiliates for airing us: WBTV, WFMP, WRWK, KCSB, KEPJ, KYGT, The Detour. Thank you for your continued support. Also, we'd like to thank our producer, Connie Shannon, our chief engineer, Jeff Brady. You can contact us at tffpp.org with questions, comments, or suggestions for the show. You can also find our podcast on most podcast platforms under The Positive Mind. We want to hear from you folks, tffpp.org. Any reaction to today's show or ideas, we will certainly put them out there with us on our next show. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.